Hey, sustainable fashion supporter. Welcome to Recloseted Radio, a podcast dedicated to fashion sustainability and equipping you with the knowledge to do better in the world. I'm your host, Selena Ho, and I promise to support you on this journey to right the harmful fashion industry. You ready? Let's dive in. Welcome back. In today's episode, I interview Artie, who is the founder and editor at Forage and Sustain. Artie is a fellow Canadian. She's actually based out in Toronto, so it was very cool to do this interview with her. And I have been following Forage and Sustain for about a year now, and she honestly puts out amazing content. So buckle up, sit down, and enjoy this episode because it is jam-packed with sustainable living information, and I'm really excited for you guys to listen to it. So without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to the Recloseted Radio Podcast, Artie. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. I'm really excited. Thank you so much. It's super exciting to be here and to chat with you. Yeah, I've been following you for, I want to say, about a year now and admiring you from afar. So it's really, really cool (laughs) to be able to finally talk to you. Selfishly, I'm so excited and I know a lot of my (laughs) listeners will be too. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, it's so crazy. It's like, you know, I feel like I, I've I've been following people too. And then when they reach out, it's just like so great to work with like fellow Canadians. And just there's so many people who I'm like meeting in the space. And it's really awesome to connect on like Instagram and then, you know, do things like this. So it's good. Yeah, 100%. To kick things off, do you want to overview your journey and how you started Forge and Sustain? Sure. Yeah. Um, I guess I'd describe myself like I'm, I'm a bit of a Jane of all trades. I haven't really had a typical career trajectory or anything like that. In university, I um, majored in communications and in business. And like, I always had this idea that I was going to be like climbing the corporate ladder in marketing and like, you know, like doing all that. But as soon as I graduated, I actually, I got a job at a startup here in Toronto. And since then, like there was nothing corporate really that I did at all. But that startup was amazing and it just kind of set the tone for the type of work that I was interested in doing. It was called iStopover and it was actually like a direct competitor at the time um, of Airbnb, which sounds crazy now, but Airbnb was so tiny back then and they were like, yeah, our direct competitors. So we were doing the same thing here and because it was such a small team, I really got to like learn a lot about tech and like get my feet wet in like all these different departments. And then from there, I started like checking off bucket list things, but I always wanted to teach English in China. So that's what I did. I was in China for a year. And while I was teaching, I also had kind of like a side internship because I had some free time. And it was amazing. It was these two Chinese American girls who had come back to China and they were trying to redefine what like made in China meant because, you know, on a global scale, we kind of think that like mass produced cheaper items. They were working with a lot of artisans and craftsmen in China because there's just there's so much talent, like especially in Shanghai. They were just like mixing traditional aesthetics with like a contemporary feel and everything they were doing was just amazing. And that kind of was really eye opening for me. Like I was just doing social media for them, but I just love to see the resurgence like back to something traditional, but with contemporary aesthetic was like something that was like popular and growing. And I just loved that they were redefining what made in China meant. So yeah, it was just a really cool experience. I only worked with them for a few months. But again, I don't think that anything is like not a coincidence or that like, you know, everything that we do in our lives is meant to bring us to the thing that we're meant to do, like the biggest thing. Like, 
Um, yeah. So like all these experiences really like set the tone for, for forage and sustain. And like, I even had an internship in India for six months, a couple of years ago. And I was for a company called good earth and they are amazing. They do something similar, but like way bigger scale. And they, they have a contemporary aesthetic, but they work with traditional craftsmen and artisans all over India, reviving their crafts because, you know, there's a fear of them being lost and there's just so much cultural richness in India. So they're really bringing that to the forefront. So that was another experience that just kind of put me on this path where, you know, things like sustainability and conscious living were just like top of mind for me. So I think it was about two years ago that I was just feeling sort of like I wanted to do something bigger than myself and just give back in a way. So that's where Forage and Sustain was born. And it just like kind of connected all the threads of the things that I had done because I realized I could talk about literally any topic. Like sustainability is prevalent in fashion and beauty and travel and lifestyle stuff. It's really like everything that we do. So it was just really topical and something that totally was like up my alley. Wow, you have such a unique journey. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And I had no idea you worked in China and India, so that's really cool. And in your opinion, do you think it was the people you met, the conversations you had, or did you kind of have an aha moment two years ago? Like what prompted you to start Forage and Sustain? I think it was like a culmination of things. I can't say it was like one specific moment, but I just remember like when I was at that crossroads two years ago, trying to think like what my next thing would be. I mean, part of it was me wanting to be a digital nomad because I just, I love traveling and I wanted to be able to work from anywhere. So I was like, hey, what can I do that will allow me to have the lifestyle that I want? Yeah, I'm just, I've always been conscious of the earth and stuff, but it was never something that anything that I did, like that I needed to talk about or something. But I was like, you know, if these things bother me, I'm sure they bother other people and I should talk about them. And I've also just been like an unintentional minimalist. I really only buy what I need and use what I need. I've never like really been a fan of excess or anything. So these were just like things that had been ingrained in me that I, yeah, I guess I just hadn't paid attention to. But then when you're examining your life and looking back, you're kind of like, oh, there is a common thread and this means something. It's crazy that even just two years ago, like the conversations we're seeing happening like on social media and just people cared about, but it wasn't topical the way it is now. Like it was still a little bit like, oh, hippies care about the earth. It wasn't as, you know, everyone needs to get on board. And like, I think just in the past year, the conversations and the discussions around climate change have just become so much more urgent and more top of mind for so many people. So it's just, yeah, it's been really cool to see how quickly it's taken off and how many more people really do care. So that's just like, yeah, part of the momentum, I guess, with what I'm doing is is that as well. So it's cool. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think it's really heartwarming to see that more people nowadays are caring about sustainability and it's not just the quote-unquote hippies of the world. So it's really great to see. And now that you've told us a little bit more about your journey and your background and why you started Forage and Sustain, can you give us an overview of what Forage and Sustain is? Oh, definitely, yes. So it is, it's just an online platform uh, dedicated to sustainable and conscious living. And I am trying to be that middle person between the consumer and the brand and helping people make the best choices that they can make um, for the earth and for themselves and for, you know, like marginalized workers around the world. I know that typically if you tell someone, oh, you should live more sustainably, it's like, where do you even start? How do you begin? Like, where do you do the research? So that's where I come in. I do the research for you, like I'll give you suggestions and I just want to make sustainable living as easy as possible for as many people as possible. 
Yeah, I absolutely love that. I feel like with your resources and even just the resources there are out there now, there's really no excuse not to spend 15 minutes out of your day just to educate yourself and like do your Mm -hmm. part. I think with research and things like that, you often say things that I didn't know and I'll get into that later. (laughs) But how long have you been doing this journey and like what are some of your favorite sites to look at or is it just hearing people, meeting people and talking? Like how do you find out about all this stuff? Yeah, I guess it's it's definitely just like a giant mix of everything that you just said. I've been doing it for two years, but I wouldn't say I've been consistent for two years. Like the idea kind of sparked in my mind two years ago, but consistently it's been about a year. Honestly, Instagram has been huge for me. I just I've really curated my Instagram to include people who are like minded and who may be further along in their journey, like way further along than I am so that I can learn from them. And then it's I just like have kind of trained my brain to like think about this because it's always in my mind. So if I see something like I'm shopping and if I see something, I'll be like, oh, I wonder, you know, what the background on this product is. And then I'll research it. Whereas, you know, two years ago or earlier, I would never have done that. And then, of course, people like you and like having conversations with people has definitely given me so much to think about. And then if there's something that I think other people will find useful or a way that they can make a change, I just like include that in my blog post or my Instagram or my newsletter, whatever it is. But it's definitely a giant mix of information from all different sources. Yeah, and I think that people underestimate how long it takes to go through all of that information, aggregate it, break it down, and then teach it to other people in a way that's informative and makes sense. So thank you for doing what you do and huge props. And on that note, I would love to hear more about your sustainable living journey. Have you always been super green and conscious or is this something that you have developed over time? Oh, definitely not. Like I used to, I used to not care at all, like in university. And even like when I was traveling and stuff, I just, it wasn't even, it wasn't that I didn't care. It just didn't really think about it. And I think that the issue most people have, is just like, it doesn't even come into their mind. So it's definitely been a big learning curve for me. Like I would say even a year and a half ago, Bali, and that really opened my eyes because there's just like, it's such a beautiful place, but there's so much wastage and so much garbage. And so that really got me thinking of like how I can do better myself because I wouldn't say like, yeah, I wasn't very sustainable before even that. And I think that's the thing, like you really can't go from zero to zero waste overnight. It is a process and it has to be manageable. Otherwise you're just going to give up or get frustrated. For me, like plastic is still probably the biggest thing that I try to avoid as well as tearing down on the things that I need. Like I I think I went from October to April without buying a single thing. And I definitely have the luxury of working for myself, which means I get to work from home. So I don't have to keep buying new clothes for work or anything. But it was like six months where I didn't buy anything. And it, it wasn't even something that I was actively doing. I just realized I was like, oh, I haven't bought clothes in a while. But that just made me realize how little we truly do need. And it, it's not like we need, you know, what these fast fashion companies try to do, like two week trends and all that stuff. We don't need any of that. It's been a slow kind of process, but I think as soon as you start thinking about something, it just kind of snowballs and you start thinking about how you can do better in all areas of your life. When I was in Bali, it's not like I was traveling with reusable cutlery or anything. And then I realized there's so much wastage, I probably should. And then I was in Italy in September and I managed to go the entire month without buying a single plastic water bottle because I had my reusable one. And luckily, I was with a friend who was very into zero waste living. So if we were out and about and if we needed water, instead of getting it from a convenience store, we would go to like a restaurant or a bar and ask them to fill up our bottle. 
And if they didn't, they were kind of weird about it, we'd offer to pay them because the point is, like, you would still pay for a bottle of water, but at least this way you're not paying for plastic. So it's just about making those kinds of different choices. And as you keep doing it, you just keep getting more and more into it. Wow, good for you for thinking about this, even when you're traveling. And I'll definitely ask you about sustainable travel shortly. But just kind of going back to your answer, I think it's really cool to see that you kind of started unsustainably, but now you've developed into a more conscious consumer. And you didn't come out of the womb, zero waste. No way. I feel like a lot of people have that impression. For example, Lauren Singer from Package Free Shop in New York, like I love her. But she just lives out of that one mason jar and that's all of her waste. But it just kind of makes it seem like she's been doing that forever. So I think what you said, I resonate a lot with it, especially like the fact that you can't go from zero to 100. I say the same thing for fashion. So yeah, Yeah. 100%. And even when you said you didn't buy anything for six months, that's great too. Because I think that can really allow someone to think about their habits and what they've been doing up till now. So yeah, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. There's this quote that because you're talking about package free shop like Lauren Singer, and I just think what she's doing is amazing. But there's this quote that I think applies to the general public way better. We don't need a handful of people doing zero waste perfectly. We need many people doing it imperfectly. And I just think that like hits the nail on the head because people think that, yeah, they need to be like her and just like live out of a mason jar of waste. But that's like kind of impossible. As long as people start doing little changes that add up eventually, that's way better than trying to be perfect. A hundred percent. There's seven billion people. And honestly, if everyone just did their own little part, that would be way better than a thousand people doing it perfectly. And on that note, do you have any words of advice for people that are just starting their conscious living journey? I know you've already said a lot of things, but maybe if you just had one thing that you wanted to share with people. I think it would just be to start small. Like it's kind of what we've been talking about, but it truly just the way I started as well. Like I, I'm still far from living a zero waste life, but starting small is manageable and it is something you can do tomorrow. Like if you make it your thing to maybe choose like one thing that bothers you, it could be plastic. It could be like ethics in fashion. It could be, you know, like chemicals in beauty. It could be like wildlife. If you just choose one thing that really bothers you and like try and do that every single day, then, like I said, it snowballs. So your thing could be, yeah, plastic waste. Maybe that really bothers you. And that's like probably one of the biggest things that we all need to focus on. So literally refusing any plastic bag at the grocery store, like bring your own. And if you forget your own, it's not like, oh, I forgot my bag. I have to take this plastic bag. It's like get creative. Like if I don't have my reusable bag, I put it in my purse or I carry it. Or, you know, like I was in the grocery store the other day and they had those like thin plastic produce bags. And I was like, I don't want to put my produce in this bag. Like, what do I do? And I noticed by the mushrooms, they have paper bags. So I went and got a paper bag from the mushroom section and put the produce in there. Just about being creative and thinking outside the box and doing just like really trying to make it your mission to do one change. And then from there, it will definitely just snowball and you'll start thinking more about the different things that you can do. So start small. Yes, love it. And I think if you start small, it makes it more manageable instead of this Mm -hmm. huge insurmountable thing. When you were talking about your sustainable journey, I also really want to dive deep on sustainable travel because I think that's a huge thing as well. So I know you talked about your reusable water bottle, but are there Mm -hmm. any other tips you have for people that are going on trips and how they can be a little bit more conscious when they're traveling? Sustainable travel is huge and huge for me because I do travel quite a bit. And like even on my Instagram, I try to profile countries and like, you know, every like Travel Tuesday kind of a thing and try to show people things that you might not think about. 
Travel is interesting just because I don't think any time in history have we ever traveled as much as we're traveling now and just it's become so much more accessible to people. But with that comes like a lot of issues. So like I was saying in Bali, because there are so many travelers and because they cater so much to travelers, we really have to be mindful of the fact that we're not like we shouldn't think that this country exists to cater to us as a tourist. It's like we're visiting and we're a guest. So just being mindful of your impact when traveling. So something as small as like people often bring like those tiny, like mini shampoo conditioner bottles because, you know, there might only be going for a week and you just want to buy a mini. But then the problem with that is you use it and you throw it out in your hotel and like it's 100% not going to get recycled. So instead of doing that, fill up a reusable container at home with your existing shampoo, put it in something that you will bring back so you're not contributing to the waste of that country. So just things like that, like even when you're traveling on a plane, if you have your own reusable cutlery and your own reusable water bottle, you're not using the plane's plastic stuff. Being mindful of how you travel, like cruises are probably the worst thing you can do. And not just because a lot of them illegally dump in the ocean, but also because you have to think about how you are either taking away or providing for a country. So on a cruise, your meals are provided for you, like your your accommodation is provided. You just dock at the port and you go out and you take from the country, but you're not actually giving back to their economy. Like you're not sleeping in their hotels, you're not eating in their restaurants, you're just kind of like leaving a mess and like trampling on their centuries old architecture. But what are you giving back? That's just something to think about. Probably avoid cruises as much as you can and also like avoid cheap souvenir shops when you're trying to bring back a memento because a lot of those things are just like made in China and shipped to the country for tourists to buy cheap things with. But if you want souvenir, maybe go to like a local artisan shop and buy something that's actually been made by someone who actually lives in that country. Travel's huge. I feel like I could talk about that one for a while, but those are some intro tips just to get people thinking. Yes, I love that. I think that if we're more conscious and even think about the little things like the shampoo bottles and, you know, all of the plastic water bottles that we consume on vacation, we can definitely make a big impact. And on your blog, I know you have a section dedicated to traveling and I will link some blog posts and your blog in general in the show notes. But do you have any tips when it comes to packing or do you have a conscious packing guide? Actually, that's funny you say that. I am going to be releasing that soon. I've just finished my sustainable guide to Bali. I'm like so behind, but that one's pretty big because I was there for a month. With that, I will be following up with a sustainable packing guide because I do think that's really important just for how people travel. Even something as simple as using packing cubes instead of like Ziploc bags if you're backpacking, that's like a huge one as well. Awesome. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, and I was just going to say, I love those packing cubes. They make it so convenient. And oh, it's, it's I hate using plastic bags. So yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. Anyways, like I've said throughout this episode, I'm such a big fan of your blog and your content because you often put out things that I didn't even know about. And in particular, my top three favorites are probably your article on Palo Santo chewing gum and then also toilet paper. So for listeners that are like, what is she talking about? Do you want to chat about what those three posts talked about? And then if listeners want to read more, I can have the blog posts linked in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. Palo Santo one, that was crazy. That one just blew up. And I think, yeah, because it is so topical. But I do have a blog post on my site outlining everything. So you can definitely get more information there. But for highlights, basically... Palo Santo is, it's not endangered yet, but it is on the brink of it just because we are harvesting it like crazy because globally people are obsessed with it. And while in Peru and Ecuador, it is illegal to chop down the trees. A lot of that's like not properly enforced and people are doing it for economic gain. 
And the thing with Palo Santo is that it needs to have fallen naturally and aged on the forest floor for like five to 10 years in order for like the oils to actually produce. But because there is so much demand, um, a lot of people are just chopping it down and selling it, which for two reasons, it's not great because you're deforesting a very sacred tree and then you're also not getting any benefit for which it first became popular for. So kind of counterintuitive, but a lot of people don't know that. So they're buying it up unknowingly. And then, I mean, this is kind of a personal thing. It it depends on people's stance on cultural appropriation, but it is quite harmful. And when I posted that post, so many like indigenous people were reaching out to me saying that it, it really does hurt their communities. And same thing with white sage, because, you know, they weren't allowed to practice these things for so long by the government. And now we're all trying to get in on this trend. And it's like not fair to these communities at all. So that was the one with Palo Santo. Chewing gum, yeah, that's. I think it's pretty crazy because most people don't realize that gum is made from plastic. The same manufacturer who makes tires, like Goodyear, they manufacture the gum base that is an all-chewing gum, and it's just disgusting. So not only is it a problem for us in our health, it's also for the environment. A lot of birds and sea life are chewing or like, you know, ingesting this stuff, and it's just horrible. So I did provide some options for sustainable, non-plastic chewing gum, and that's in my blog post as well. And then toilet paper, yeah, since we're in in Canada, this one should definitely be something we're all concerned about because I guess we don't think about it, but toilet paper comes from the Canadian boreal forest, which is thousands and thousands of years old, and it's this really ancient, biodiverse forest, and it just seems so silly that we're chopping it down for like a single-use, you know, thing to flush away. It just makes no sense. So if you can buy recycled toilet paper, bamboo toilet paper, people are doing like bidets now because they're like healthier and low waste, so there are definitely other options with that as well. Yeah, and I will link all three of those blog posts again below. But again, this is just a small testament to how much research Artie has done. So definitely take advantage of all the research she's done and lap up a lot of her free resources. And with the chewing gum, I actually had no idea it was the same companies that made tires. I know, it's so gross. (laughs) Yeah, and the cultural appropriation with the Palo Santo is definitely a thing as well. And I think we need to be respectful Mm -hmm. and, you know, educate ourselves. As you know, I'm all about fashion sustainability, but I am trying to get more into green beauty and green skincare. And I feel like that's just a whole other kind of worms. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. So maybe we can chat a little bit about that now. To start off with, are there any chemicals that you think people should be avoiding and making sure that they're not putting it on their skin? I can't remember them all from the top of my head, but there's they say like 10 free and you'll see that in nail polishes a lot too. And it means like the 10 chemicals that are the worst, I guess, and they're free of that. So 10 free or seven free. But the ones that I've really made sure to avoid are parabens. Parabens, they're added in cosmetics as a preservative, but they're really bad for you. Um, So that's something we should definitely avoid as well as phthalates and SLS, which is like sodium lauryl sulfate. So sulfates are really bad for us. And basically sulfates are like a foaming agent. You'll see it in hand soap or shampoo or like sometimes even toothpaste. Salt like SLS, sodium lauryl sulfate, like that's pretty, pretty bad. So there are some green companies that still use these things and call them safe synthetics, but there's been enough research, I think, that we should probably be avoiding these. And the point is you can make so many amazing things without adding these things in them. Even deodorant, definitely stay away from anything with aluminum. There's some great brands. They're making really effective deodorant that are safe. Oh yeah, coloring agents. 
for some reason, we feel like beauty products, if it says mango, it should be yellow. And if it says rose, it has to be red. It's just kind of arbitrary. We don't need those coloring agents. And agents have been linked to some serious like birth defects and just like really bad things that we don't need at all just for like an aesthetic point of view. I do have a post on Lush. And while Lush is amazing because they are humanitarian and also like low waste, they don't really use plastic. I'm concerned about some of the things that they have in their products. Some people think it's okay, but they use a lot of artificial dyes. Like, you know, they have like hot pink and blue and all that stuff. And that's pretty problematic. And the thing with skincare is that like our skin is our biggest organ. We seem to forget that our skin is living and breathing and absorbing everything we put in it. It might seem harmless if you're just washing your hands with a soap that has SLS, but that is being absorbed by our skin. And then palm oil. Palm oil is in so much skincare, and that's definitely something we should avoid because I think it's getting pretty well known about how bad the situation is in Borneo and in Indonesia, and like the orangutans are just completely losing their habitat. And again, you don't need to have palm oil. There's so many substitutes for it. Yeah, wow. I I will link the Lush blog post as well. But yeah, it's just crazy that these companies are still using these things and everyone's just going on about their day. Like I talk about how the skin's our biggest organ too, just from a clothing perspective, because like you don't really want to be putting polyester and like acrylics on your skin for hours and hours on end. So like it's even worse when it's skincare or like makeup that's literally sitting on your face. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. With all of this information, I mean, I'm a little scared right now and I feel like some of the listeners might be as well. Love for you to share some of your favorite green beauty brands or skincare brands. Okay, yeah, I don't want to scare anyone. It's just (laughs) something that we should (laughs) just be aware of. (laughs) But I really like, there's a Toronto-based skincare company that I've totally genuinely been obsessed with. Um, They're called Sahajan Skincare. And they're mostly, they're not makeup. They have this essential oil cleanser. And so what the founder has done is kind of mix ancient Indian, like Ayurvedic um, skincare with science. So it's not purely natural. That's only going to last a week kind of a thing, but her products are very clean and they work so, so well. Like their uh, essential oil cleanser is probably my favorite thing ever. Like it just melts your makeup off and it's zero waste because it comes in a glass bottle and you don't need to use makeup rounds. Like it just, you just put it in your hand and you can just wash your face with it. So that brand is amazing. They also make eye cream and face cream and just like all these really great products. I also really like Province Apothecary. They're also local to Toronto. Their stuff's amazing. Very effective, very clean. And just love that on their website, there is so much information. Do-it-yourself beauty practices and like, you know, facial massages. They really bring a very holistic kind of approach to their skincare. If you are in Canada, and I think even like in the U.S., there's a place called the Detox Market, and they sell online and in-store. And what I love about them is like, it's like a no-brainer. Like everything they have is clean, and you know it's been very highly evaluated. So whatever you buy from there, it's great. You just know it's going to be good. So if you don't really want to do your own research or don't know the terminology, you can just shop from the Detox Market and know that pretty much everything's going to be safe. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. And I'll have those sites linked in the show notes for people that want to check it out. And on that note, is there anything else when it comes to green beauty or green skincare that you wanted to share or let people know? Because I I think actually speaking of packaging, I think that's a whole other thing too. There's just like so much abundance and waste, especially with the whole influencer wave. Like it just breaks my heart when brands are sending them 40 shades of the foundation and the influencer probably needs one. Like it's just crazy. I know. That's something that I think I have touched on as well. 
first of all, the word influencer definitely has a lot of negative connotations, but it is, it's, it's just excess. Like the problem with that is that they get sent so many things and not just like beauty stuff, but you know, clothing that they were once for like an Instagram picture. And then I don't know, thrown away or donated or something. So it's just trying to reframe our minds to realize we definitely don't need as much as we think. But yeah, the packaging is a thing. I think there are a lot of brands who might like focus a lot on the ingredients, which is great, but then they're not really thinking about the rest of the stuff. Like, you know, just how there's so many like vegans out there who care so much about what they put in their body, but then they're not thinking about how their favorite vegan, whatever comes wrapped in plastic or whatever it is. So it is being conscious about everything. With beauty, if you have a store that's like a refill store near you, again, in Toronto, there's one called Eco and Amore. And I think in Vancouver, I visited um, the soap dispensary. If you can find stuff that is bulk, then that's amazing. Like if you could just fill up your beauty products, like they even do it for foundation or like a dry shampoo. And it's just you bring in your own containers and can fill it up in bulk. Like that's something so amazing because you're really cutting down on waste. But then again, I do understand that living in a digital world, a lot of people want to order stuff online and just make things really easy. Choosing brands that are thinking about every aspect of their business, not just maybe one, is key. Or And, you know, the thing is you can always DM or email brands and ask because they might not be aware of what their consumers want. And if you're like, hey, I wish this came in glass, I'd happily pay like a dollar more for shipping. If it was in glass, they'd probably make the change. Definitely contact brands and like let them know what you're looking for. They definitely want to service their audience. Yeah, you were right. In Vancouver, there's the soap dispensary. And yeah, and I think that like if more consumers just message brands and tell them that there's demand for it, we can totally enact change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And last product kind of related question, but I think you do amazing gift guides. And yeah. uh, So (laughs) would you have like maybe your top three gifts for like guys and for girls? Because I feel like birthday gifts are a whole thing too, where sometimes you just kind of give someone a gift for the sake of giving a gift, which is a nice touch, but it's also kind of wasteful. So yeah, maybe you have any tips there. Yeah, that's a really good point. And it is part of the reason why I started doing my annual Christmas gift guide, because you get so much stuff you don't want, and it would just be so much nicer if you could actually get things that you would use. Number one is bringing it back to, again, that conscious mindset. And everything starts with that, like just being really aware of why you're doing the things you're doing. If you're giving someone a gift just for that token reason, think about like, will they use it? Do I really want this? Because things just end up getting re-gifted forever and like no one uses it. I guess it's very personal. You have to think about what that person is like, but try to go as low waste as possible. Like maybe offer an experience over something physical. And there's so many things you can do at different price levels. Like it could be taking out someone for a really nice dinner. It could be a movie. It could be a trip somewhere. It could even be just like, you know, a bike ride. An experience I think is so much more meaningful and appreciated over something physical. Last year for my birthday, my cousin got me a membership to a local art gallery here. And I thought that was amazing because I love art. And it prompted me to keep like, you know, going to this art gallery whereas I wouldn't have paid individual admission every time. So that's a really good idea. Art galleries, concert tickets, memberships to things. Someone also at Christmas gifted like in a secret Santa one month to Headspace, which is the meditation app. So like that's such a cool creative gift to give. But then when it comes to like products that are sustainable, think about what that person might need or might want. Gift cards, again, do pretty well, like for stores they might like, but 
just shopping from brands that are sustainable and that are conscious. And then when you gift it, that person might be made aware. In my Secret Santa gift guide, I had Ten & Co. Um, they make reusable sponge cloths or reusable paper towels. They're an amazing gift. They're super inexpensive. They're like 5 to $10. They last forever, and people will use them for sure in their kitchens. Things like teas, sustainably and ethically harvested tea or coffee. What else is there? Subscriptions. Subscriptions are so cool. Like you could do, you know, something Oatbox, which is like a monthly granola service. Or I think there's something called Mama Earth or something here. But it's a farm initiative where you subscribe for a month or however long you want. And they ship you or deliver um, farm fresh vegetables and produce from a local farm. So you're supporting a local farmer and you're getting healthy, fresh vegetables. So it's kind of like a win-win all around. I think it's just thinking creatively out of the box again, because we are so accustomed to like going to Bath and Body Works and getting like, you know, a chemical gross bath set that we like, no one really wants these things, but we think that this makes a good, easy gift that we don't have to think about. But yeah, when in doubt, I would say an experience because that is low waste and it also lets you and that person reconnect and it's way more meaningful. Yes, love it. And I completely agree with you. Like experiences are the best and you get to create memories, which is great. And the subscription idea is really good too. Like I think your cousin's art gallery gift was a really good idea. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think this is really helpful for people. So thank you. And something that I struggle with and I think other people struggle with as well that are on their sustainable fashion journey is, you know, you continue to educate yourself, you read all of these facts and figures, and it can be really overwhelming and daunting. And sometimes, you know, it can put you in kind of a sad mood. So do you <laughs> ever experience that? And if so, like, how do you deal with it? Oh my gosh, yeah, all the time. It's pretty, it can get kind of hard. And you know, if you're on Instagram for too long, or reading the news, you go down a rabbit hole of the world's ending pulling back from all like the gloom and doom and just doing something like for me like I write a gratitude list every day and that definitely helps me set any negative spirals that I go down but rather than feeling like you're helpless and you can't do anything the biggest thing is that you can do something like literally one person can create change and like start a catalyst movement like if we look at Greta from Sweden she's 16 and she's created this like global movement and like on Fridays kids are protesting and I don't know I think she's amazing one person can definitely change the world. So instead of feeling like overwhelmed that you're not doing enough on an individual level, you are absolutely doing enough. And you can, the best thing is that there's always room to do more. But then I do also believe that if it ever starts to feel like it's too much, you do need to take a step back and take a break because your mental health and your physical health are the most important thing ever. So just doing as much as you can, but not overwhelming or totally exhausting yourself is really important too. Yeah, 100%. Like, I think mental health is so important. And especially with these topics, like if you want to be doing your part and making sure that other people feel motivated and positively inclined to do it, like you got to be whole yourself. So yeah, I totally agree with you. Mm -hmm. And maybe on a different note, I think that what you've built with Ford and Sustain is awesome. And you've built such a great community and such a great brand. So huge props to that. Um, but you. maybe, yeah, but maybe what's your biggest lesson that you've learned so far in starting your own business and brand? I think it kind of goes back to what I was just saying about feeling overwhelmed, especially if you're just one person doing it yourself. I think it can be very easy to feel like you're not doing enough. And when you look at other people on social media and like other brands and things, it's easy to think they're doing so much more than you are. 
to not play the comparison game is a very big one. And just to kind of keep showing up in the way that you know how to show up and do what you're doing can just get completely overwhelming otherwise. And you feel like people are doing a lot more than you are. Consistency is key. That's something I noticed because like I said, two years ago, I started this, but I wasn't really consistent until a year ago. And when I was not consistent, I would get frustrated because I felt like, you know, I'm putting an effort, but things aren't happening. And it's because maybe I wasn't emailing my email list every other week, or I wasn't like putting out blog posts. So there's no consistency. It kind of doesn't really show that you're serious about your business, or it doesn't even like bring people in in the way that you want them to. So consistency is definitely key. And just to keep posting, to keep showing up, to keep producing content and consistency in like your habits and behaviors as well. I think that's a huge thing, especially when you work for yourself. And on that note, I think consistency is super hard, especially with showing up and like posting on Instagram and going on stories and all of that stuff. Do you have any tips for that? For me, like batching content has been a lifesaver. So yeah, I was Mm -hmm. wondering if you have any advice. I was just going to say batch work, which is funny. Um, yeah, I think that is huge because I have friends who are like, oh man, like how do you post so consistently on Instagram? It's because like, you know, they might wake up and think about what to post that day and write a caption and that I have done that in the past and it absolutely is, it takes 10 times the amount of time and it's not fun. I work in week batches. So like every Sunday I'll write like all my content and post all my stuff for the week And then I don't have to think about it. It's like on Facebook, it's on Instagram, and it's like ready to go. So I just wake up and post. So batch working is huge. And then like planning your content in advance, because, you know, if your email goes out every Thursday and if it's Wednesday night and you're sitting there being like, oh, my God, I don't know what to write. It's going to cause a lot of overwhelm and anxiety, and you're probably not going to give out your best work and your audience is 100% going to notice that. Maybe at the start of the month, you write out if you have a biweekly email you write out your emails for that month and then you're good. Coolest thing about being digital is that everything can be automated. So you just schedule all your posts to go out and then you know you've put in the right amount of work and effort and you don't have to struggle the night before to get things done. Yes, love it. And any last words of advice or tips when it comes to sustainability in general? I think the two biggest things would be to start questioning everything. I did a post today on greenwashing, which is when brands try to make it seem like they're greener than they actually are. And like a lot of unknowing consumers just snatch up their products because they think, oh, like, cool, they're making efforts to be green, but it's more trying to profit off the trend versus actually being green. Ask questions, don't take things for face value, and feel free to reach out to brands. I think a lot of us are scared to communicate or like maybe we feel like we're criticizing a brand, but If a brand is truly sustainable, they will be so, so happy to answer your questions and provide you with like a ton of information. Ask questions and just when you're shopping at a mall, if something seems too good to be true, it probably is. $20 jeans that say ethically made, that's not happening. Just be conscious, mindful and ask questions. I agree with you. Like if it seems like it's too good to be true, it probably is. And if it's $20 pair of jeans, you have to think about how much the person that made it got paid. So yeah. And my last question is how can people support Forage and Sustain or how can people connect with you? Oh, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty active on Instagram. So like definitely give me a follow. You can, you can send me a DM. Like I, I'm pretty responsive. And then I would definitely suggest signing up for my email list. It's once every two weeks, so it's not like anything crazy and you're not bombarded with information. But I don't share everything 
on Instagram that I share on my email list. And it's just like a really easy way for someone who might not have a lot of time or can put in the amount of effort required to get information directly to them. Comes to your email, it's like a big synopsis, my latest posts and just other information. So it's a good way to stay connected, just gets more information on like the latest things that are going on and how you can make changes. And I also link to some pretty good products or other blog posts or, you know, things going on. So you really can start to get as informed as possible. And I am going to be releasing very personal guides very soon this summer. I'm going to be releasing guides based on professions. So like the needs of a teacher in the classroom will be very different than what a nurse or an office goer needs. I'm going to be putting those together and they're going to be ebooks that people can um, purchase on my website. It's a personal way to make change in your own life based on what you do. Wow, that's so exciting. Congratulations. I'm really excited to see this come out. And yeah, I will link Artie's links in the show notes as well. Thank you so, so, so much for taking the time out of your day to come on to our podcast and speak with us today. I personally learned so much and I know that the listeners will as well. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, this was great. And there you have it. That was today's episode and interview with Artie from Forage and Sustain. If you want to help us spread fashion sustainability and recruit more members to join our reclosative movement, make sure you leave us a rating and review that really helps us. And take a screenshot of you listening to this episode and post it to your Instagram stories and tag us at Recloseted. That helps us spread the word and it's also really cool seeing you guys listen to our episodes. I hope you have an amazing week and remember, we are all in this together and together we will write the harmful fashion industry.